We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. your go-to Pacers podcast setting the pace. I'm your host Alex Gold and I'm joined today by Michael J. Focci as we're waiting for the Pacers to get their revenge game against the 76ers. Thought we would do a little exercise where we rank the roster based on who has played the best this season. I think looking at the roles they've been asked to play too, Focci, it's definitely uh, up for, uh, it's kind of subjective here. So kind of curious your thoughts on how we're doing this. Yeah, the, you know, this this one's going to be a little bit tough. Obviously, you know, we're only, you know, about 10 games into the season at, at this point. And I think that it's not the largest sample size, but it's a decent sample size. And I think that some guys have been asked to play different roles than previous years. So I think that, yeah, it, it, this could be subjective. This could be something that people have a lot of differing opinions on. But mm. I'm excited to see how my list could differ from yours because I do not think they're going to be the same. I don't think that this this Pacers team has had a clear cut top ten. You know, from from one down to ten, or from ten up to one. However, you want to do it. There's going to be a variety. Oh, oh, for sure. And I'm and I'm I'm assuming there's going to be one player we're a little bit different on. We'll see when we get there. I'm not going to say who now, but I think there might be somebody I'm higher on than maybe you are. But we'll see how that all plays out. So mm-hmm. we're going to do the top ten. We're not doing the fifteen man run. So we're just doing our top ten here to kind of. Talk about how they've looked with this Pacers team. So at number 10, Fachi, in terms of who's had the best season so far for the Pacers, who are you going with? I'm going to go with TJ McConnell. Okay. Um, I, I just think that at this point, it's like for McConnell, you know, you're, you're not saying, oh, wow, hey, he's going out there balling. But I think that when he's come out there, he's given an impact. Whether he, his biggest impact is coming off the court, but I still think, you know, this 10-man roster could be subjective if you have Isaiah Jackson in there. 
I put TJ McConnell in there. I hope it's not too much of a spoiler uh, over Isaiah Jackson, but I think that McConnell is someone who's stayed ready when called upon. Yeah, I don't think TJ McConnell blocked Victor Wimbanyama, though, so. He did not. He did not. And I don't think he ever will either. <laughs> I, I think, think it, so. I think it's safe never to say. say. Never. You never say never, but it's safe to say he's probably not going to block Wemby. Yeah, so no, I, I have TJ McConnell here too. I think he's a 10th man on this team, and like we saw against Philadelphia, he can be a very positive. He can be a plus 10 for the for the Pacers, and then there's also games where maybe he comes in and it does kind of muck things up in terms of how p- players are playing together, the rotation. Like when TJ McConnell's playing at at his level of like when his, at his highest level of play, he's really good. But then there's also games when he just can be kind of a liability because he's a little bit smaller and isn't hitting a shot as frequently, and then you're taking the ball on them hard's hands a little bit. So I think McConnell he's in a weird spot right now. It's kind of like he's a game to game basis. You never know when he's going to get called into the game, but. It's always nice to know that you can't throw a TJ McConnell in there to change the the pace of the game up a little bit and just give the opponent something else to look at. So I, too, had him at number 10, just felt like that was the right spot to put him based on expectations coming into the season, was more so a guy that thought he might get some minutes, ended up getting told by Rick Carlisle the, the day before the season opener that he was going to have a limited spot in the rotation, and he's had some you know DNP's coaches' decisions. But he's also had some times when they have called upon him, and he's been good. So weird spot for him right now, but I, I think that he can't be any lower than 10. He's too good for this team. Yeah, class act, professional. It, it's just no matter what scenario it is, McConnell always finds his way to be able to get back on the court. So mm-hmm. maybe it's when things aren't going too well. It's like, hey, you know what? When you switch something up, he's the perfect guy to do it. But yeah. moving next on my list at number nine, Hurts me a little bit to have him this low, but that's Obi Toppin. I, hey, I we're a two for two right now. Two for two. I want to have Obi higher. I'm not going to be a, a homer about it, but he's been he's been that starter. He's been the fifth starter in every game, and I say that because he's the guy who's playing the fewest amount of minutes, getting kind of what feels like the fewest amount of touches. He's got a long way to go defensively. He's had some moments. Typically, when I say moments, that's what it feels like. It feels mm-hmm. like a highlight dunk. Here or there, you know, a highlight play, but maybe not, you know, a game filled with highlights from him. He had a really good game with 19 points just just a few games ago. He's had moments, but I want to see games instead of just moments for Obi Toppin. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, like he's still trying to get his footing with that starting five and figure out who he is as a player. But I think at this point, by 10 games in, you kind of can expect that Obi Toppin is just going to get his when he can, but it's never going to be consistent point-wise or defensively. He's still hit or miss, I would say. like It's nice to have a guy like him to throw out bigger bodies that you didn't have before because he is athletic and he can really do some things offensively. Like the the reverse dunk that he had on Embiid was really nice. He talked about the Spurs game when he went off and had a really nice game and did a pretty good job guarding Victor Wimbanyama. So, yeah, it's you know he's he's an interesting player. I think that there's obviously room for him to grow. He's going to get better. I would be disappointed actually if he kind of stayed the same or didn't really improve. But it feels like when the games have been close, we haven't relied on him as much, and there's been other options that the Pacers have gone to. And that doesn't necessarily always mean Aaron Nismith at the four. It's been maybe even going smaller than that and playing a Ben Matherin or a or a Bruce Brown at the four. So yeah, unfortunately for Obi, I think that he has just been put in this weird spot where he's kind of like you said the fifth starter and doesn't always get to close games so not a bad start to the season just not a great one hasn't hasn't been incredibly impactful but just he's had moments but not like you said consistency Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and and I, I do think that things will change because I I think that Obi someone like give, give him time. It might not be the most improved player of the year. You know, talks that we heard uh, this off season. Hope for some people. We even say I think he gets sniff an All Star game. It's like all right. <laughs> I I I I don't think he's gonna be sniffing an All Star game. Most improved player that that's not gonna be this year. But I just want to see him continue to take steps forward. If the Patriots are winning games, you got nothing to complain about. But yeah, next on my list, this is where things probably do start to change a little bit because th- this guy could be interchangeable. It's been a little bit tough. And I think over a few games, it was good over a few games. It was bad. I got buddy healed. Over here. Yeah. Same now. Okay. Here. So it's like, <laughs> you're in agreement. It's just like buddy's offense off, off the bench. It's crucial for this Pacers team when he brings it. And that shot is going down. This Pacers team is far more dangerous when his shot is not going down it, it's it's been a bit tough, and the Pacers mm. escaped games, you know, against Utah and Milwaukee, where he was, you know, I think it was eight of thirty in, in those games. Four of twenty-three from three. Four of twenty-three from three. There, there's been some struggles, and I think you already know you're not going to be getting a, a real solid defender. So you hope that three-point shooting is going to be there. If it's not, it could be a long night. And I think for Buddy Heald, he's taken that step back minutes wise. Shots wise, you know, if you look at just his numbers, it's it's you know amongst the lowest numbers he's ever had in his career. It's because he is playing a reduced role. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I had him kind of interchangeable with the next guy that we'll talk about here at number seven, but I felt like Buddy, he just hasn't been able to be someone they can rely upon to close a lot of games out. I think he did kind of close out the Cavs game mm-hmm. and the first in season tournament game because he was really good in that game. And when he's hitting shots like that and he played really good defense, he's grown as a passer, like he's improved as a player. So to put him at eight really is not a bad thing. I think it's more so just like talking about the depth of the the talent that we have on this roster and just how well some of these guys have played that maybe we're not expected to be better players than him so far this year, but guys that have had really good impact on this team. So I, I like the way Buddy Hield has embraced his bench role. He hasn't been a headache. He's in a contract year as well, and he could be more of a – a problem than maybe you, you think, but I was at practice Saturday and it was funny. Miles Turner was doing his interview with the media and buddy comes out of the, out of the practice area and on the practice court, walking to the door and he's singing at the top of his lungs while Miles trying to do the interview. And all of a sudden Miles just stops in the middle of the interview and goes, shut up. <laughs> and buddy just kept kind of going. And then he was like, Miles, you didn't interview. Like he just, he's just full of joy. And it's like, I'm sure at times, like, yeah, I can wear on guys, whatever, but like, he's always just full of energy, full of fun. And you like to have someone like that on the, on the roster, but at the same time, you know, it all matters on how they are playing on the court. And so I I felt like that buddy heel has had really good moments. And then he's had some moments that have been pretty bad this year. So like, it's been like, not really in the middle. It's been like super high or super yikes. Yeah. So it's kind of been like a roller coaster in terms of like his impact through the first 10 games. No, it, it has. And I think that just like you talked about, I mean, he's got great chemistry with, with this team. He keeps the mood light. The players love him. There's a lot of good stuff that he brings to the table. And if you're looking for an off the bench score, yeah, he's someone that any night could heat up and give you, you know, 15 plus. It could yeah. be 15, it could be 20. And the Pacers don't have many of those options. They have some good players, but buddy, any night could be his night. And I think that that's, that's really important. But next on my list, maybe this is the guy that you did have inter- interchangeable with. It's Andrew Nemhart. Nope, me. the same person I had. Yeah, oh, I did have him interchangeable. Yeah, yeah okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought okay. you were saying different. I'm no, no, no. Andrew Nemhart. 
I we have not seen his best basketball yet. The, I refuse to believe that because everybody expected a bigger jump in year two, but he's being the point guard of the second unit instead of being, you know, in that starting unit. I think that his role has been reduced due to, you know, bringing in guys like Bruce Brown and, and a few other additions that the Pacers made. Nemhard, he's playing just under 20 minutes per game. That's about eight minutes less than he played last year, which which is huge. But mm. I think that he's increased his shooting percentage. He's shooting about 49% from the field. He's had some games. I mean, night one, double-double. I mean, he had another another game with like nine points and seven assists. He's played his role, his role good. He's going to defend well. But I think that he has not been asked to do as much as he was asked to do last year. And that's why at times the performances seem so quiet. Yeah, and I and I think that honestly, like the kidney stones that he had did set him back a little bit, just in terms of like getting him out of a rhythm, trying to get him back into game shape, get him back into the flow of being the backup point guard. Like didn't really get a lot of preseason time to showcase what he could do or just get any kind of chemistry with some of the guys. So he's kind of learning on the fly a little bit. But I felt like he was really pivotal in those Utah, in the Utah game and in the, in the Milwaukee game. Hit some big threes. Like the threes that he hit in that Milwaukee game were just game changers in terms of like keeping the Pacers afloat and not letting the lead get out of hand because he cut the lead to one at the end of the third against Milwaukee. Then he had another three that cut it to like four points. So it's like momentum shifters, you know, it's basically buzzer beaters. Yeah. And then he's also played a really solid defense. I put a couple clips out on, or put one clip out on uh, Twitter, but I shared a couple in the article that I wrote and just like watching Andrew Nimhard play good team basketball defensively is just like huge. Like someone that Rick Carlisle can really trust in the fourth quarter because there was one play where Ben Matherin got a block on Giannis on the baseline and everyone's like, Oh, Matherin with the block. But it's like, well, let's talk about what really caused that. So Bruce Brown was incredible on this defensive play because there's two times here where it happened. Bruce Brown comes over to double team Giannis, but gets on his right side, forcing him left. It wasn't necessarily just baseline. It was like, we're going to force Giannis left because Giannis is more dominant with his right hand. So when he forced him left on this one where Ben got the block, as soon as Bruce left Chris Middleton, Andrew Nimar just immediately sprinted over from Cameron Payne across the court to cover Chris Middleton. And then Tyrese Halliburton shifted in between both Crowder, who was in the corner, and, and Cameron Payne, who was kind of at the top of the key, to kind of play recovery if they were to make a pass to either one of those guys. He would just be, you know, maybe he'd be able to get to him. He was equidistant to both of them. So I thought it was really just smart, instinctual basketball, making the right read rotation-wise for Andrew Nimhart to get over there defensively. And that's just what he does. And I think some of that stuff doesn't show up on a box score. Doesn't. So if you really watch the the nuance of the game and how he impacts it, you realize, okay, Andrew Nimhart's very impactful. But it's been inconsistent. Like, like you know, we talked about against the 76ers on Sunday night. Like, those three turnovers start the game out. Like, yuck. Like, you can't do that, you know. So, it's got to be better. I think he can clean up a little bit. He can get better, find more of a rhythm. Just be a little bit more consistent would be my thing with him. Because last year, he was really consistent playing the starting five off Tyrese. And, you know, even as a starting point guard last year, was more consistent than he has been this year. And I'm not sure what it is exactly that's kind of holding him back as being more consistent, but I think he'll be fine. But right now, I think out of the the 10 guys we've talked about so far, him at seven feels right. Yeah, and this this is where it definitely gets tricky. Because, look, if I thought it got tricky before, it's getting tricky now, all right? And I'm going with next – I'm going with Jalen Smith. Okay, I've got him higher. 
I, I, I wanted to put him higher, but I, I didn't want to be too um, too overly excited by any means. <laughs> if Jalen Smith has been electric. Yeah, I yeah. love the growth that I've seen as a backup center right now. I think he could be one of the better backup centers in the league. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, improved upon what feels like just about every single category, but he's been extremely efficient. He's just like tougher. I just feel like you. We've seen him now just battle for rebounds in, in a time where it just didn't. I mean, he was a, he was a good rebounder last year, but it just felt like he's just stronger, tougher, has more confidence. That three point shot looks extremely confident. And this is just someone that when you're looking for internal growth, Jalen Smith was the player that I feel that really developed this off season, and uh, I think that he's been one of. The better Pacers, I think you could you could make a very strong argument to have him higher up. But I think in terms of what his role is, he has definitely knocked it out of the park. Yeah, so I'll, I'll get to Jalen a little bit just because in terms of like expectations coming into the season and where he's at now, I feel like he has definitely taken a bigger jump than maybe some of the other guys that I have behind him. But at, at number six, this is where I probably get people mad at me. I've been Matherin. I, I think that Benedict wow. Matherin had a really strong week against the Spurs, Jazz, and Bucks, and really showed like he had taken a step forward. But if you look at the previous whatever game, how many games it was, five games before that, he was really bad. Like, couldn't find himself out on the court during the close of games. He was not shooting the ball well, was making some bad turnovers, and, and just really wasn't playing his game. And then I think against Philadelphia in that first game, he had some moments where he kind of like put his head down, got to the basket, got some layups, like, had some decent moments, but overall, like it was just like not a, a standout game for him, I should say. So he's had like two really standout games out of 10. And we're hoping that he can take that leap into being like the second best player on this oh, team. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where like right now I have him at six, but I could definitely see him jumping up into like the top three by the next 10 to 15 games that we have if he continues to play at this level. But it's been a small game sample size, yeah. You love what you've seen from him against Utah, closing that kind of game out, and then Milwaukee really just putting the game in his hands. But overall, I feel like we've seen we've seen improvement from him. He's gotten better. Yeah. But I won't I wouldn't say he's taken the jump no, yet that some of these other guys have ahead of him. He's not. And that's why when you're you're talking about like a 10 games, it's like it's tough because if he plays really good against Philly, you're like, oh my. God, that's three straight games of yeah. really good basketball. Like Matherin's killing it this year, and, and that's just like it's just one game different than the two previous awesome games from him. But yeah, it shows that hey, on a night to night basis, you got to be consistent. And I think that he hasn't really been as consistent. I think if anything, in the beginning of the season, he was consistently quiet on mm-hmm. um, offensive end. So um, I look forward to him moving up your list. I have him higher on my list, but but by no means is he, you know, the highest. I think we all expected him to be, just like you said, hopefully that number two option. That yeah. has not been Matherin this year. Yeah, for sure. Let's go ahead and t- uh, take a quick break, and we will come back and share our top five after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, Fachi, I'm itching to know, who do you have at number five? I mean, you definitely got me nervous how low you had, you know, Ben Matherin, but I'm not changing my list. All right. So I got Bruce Brown. That's who I have at number five. Okay. So I got Bruce Brown because, look, Brown's versatility on defense, it's so essential to this Pacers team. He's also a really good three-point shooter. I I love I saw a stat that's like he's already made as many, you know, threes from I think it was like the The left left corner. Ten side, left corner. Uh, they did all of last year uh, in, in just a couple games. Like he did that in nine games. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, he's on pace to shatter whatever he, he made from the left corner last year, but he's also just another playmaker at times. And I think he's had his moments. I mean, I think just about two games ago, he had seven assists. He's had some, some moments where he had pulled down you know, nine rebounds uh, against Utah. Uh, I believe it was so, he, he, he's played good, but I think he's also played a little bit inconsistent at times from a scoring standpoint. I mean, night one, you got 24 points. It was like, whoa. And then you, he might follow it up with like six. Yeah. And then he might have a game where he has 19 points, and you're like, okay. And then he might follow it up with seven. You know, so it's just like I, I think that at times you wanted to be kind of a little bit more even. Could he, could he consistently put up 12? I, I don't know. Whatever it is, but he's doing far more than just scoring. But I think it's just been a little bit of a roller coaster. But also, above all, like I said before, hit the versatility where he could defend. If you want to say one through four, it's at least one through three, and you feel good about it. I mean, I think you can say it's one through four, even though he's a little undersized. He's just a really smart defender, really smart basketball yeah. player. And Rick Carlisle has fully trusted him with that responsibility of being that guy. So I'm not going to sit here and knock him too much because I think that he's done a really good job and. This is where I kind of go back to some of the stuff Nimhard's done. Like some of the stuff Brown has done does not show up in a box score. And it's it's constantly guarding the other team's best wing player every single night and just being reliable from that spot. And you talk about the inconsistency of the the scoring. And I talked with Tony East about this a little bit because I was on the radio with JMV on Tuesday night. 
and he thought, you know, has Brown really been not like that inefficient this year? Like, has he been pretty bad? Like, what are your thoughts on Brown? I said, actually, I think he's been pretty solid. Like, you're not going to always get 24 points from him. If you're expecting him to be the highest paid player and score the most points and you just your expectations for Bruce Brown are completely wrong. He's the highest paid player because you had the money to spend and that was the only way you're going to get him away from other teams. But he's a starter and he's a guy that's going to do the little things. He's like a Swiss army knife. He can do a lot of different things, but most importantly, like he is going to allow Tyrese, Ben and miles to do most of the offensive load or carry most of the offensive load for the starting five. And then he just kind of pitches in like when he needs to, like he has had some timely baskets as well. Like he's hit some big threes. Like we've talked about, he's had some nice, floaters that he's made so i mean he's got a good feel for the game overall it's just i think right now at this point the only reason i have him at five is because i feel like the four guys ahead of him have been so much better so that's where i'm at i mean and and not better in terms of like they're better players but they've just had better jumps or their expectations have been higher like they've reached higher expectations than what they were coming into the season so uh i think bruce brown's been an awesome addition i think he's been really good for this team and it's like now you have him out there in games that are close instead of maybe a buddy heel, which I think's a lot better of an option. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And I think, yeah, the, the money always will kind of sway your opinion in a little bit of a way, but to your point, like the Pacers had to get to at least spending 90%. You had to, and you're not getting Bruce Brown. If you're sending, if you're matching the same offers as, as teams like LA or, or you know, Denver or whoever right. it may be, you know, that, that was also interested in him. So you had to pay up. And I think that so far, given the Pacers record, I would, I would say it was worth it. Yeah. All right. Number four. Number four for me is Benedict Matherin. Now okay. here's the thing. Matherin, that, that the two games that we saw against Milwaukee and Utah, brilliant. It's everything that we hoped for all, all year. That, that's what we wanted to see. But it has been highs and lows, and I think at times we've been like, "Oh look, well he, you know, got five assists tonight. Yeah, he's already done that more than he did all of last year. That's definitely worth something." But mm-hmm. I think that sometimes he's getting in his head a little bit, and he, he's trying to do, do a little bit too much. And we want him to do what he does best, and that's score. But we want him to be a, a more efficient score, and I think that sometimes from three point land, he's been awesome. Sometimes he really hasn't been there. I think in year two so far, if we told you what Matherin's averaging, you know, and, uh, you know, just prior to that, that Sixers game was 13.9 points, sub 44% shooting, you wouldn't be too thrilled with it. But I think that he'll, he'll play better basketball. But for right now, defensively, that is what we really heard him say. That he was really working on wanting to be an elite two-way player. We have not seen it yet. That mm-hmm. strip that he had on Giannis in the Milwaukee game was it was an unbelievable play, but we've seen him unfortunately get lost on quite a few plays defensively this year. That's something we definitely hoped would uh, would change, and it hasn't really changed yet. Yeah, and that's why I had him a little bit lower than you, Fachi, and that's why I think my six and four were switched with yours because this is where I have Jalen Stick Smith. Okay, I mean. Honestly, like me and you talked about it in the offseason at nauseum. Like, who is going to be the backup five? We asked so many different people, and it felt like a lot of people were leaning more towards Isaiah Jackson. And then you might ever you might hear the occasional, well, Daniel Tice might be given the opportunity mm-hmm. just to kind of get his worth up a little bit, maybe get him a little bit more value so he could be tradable. And I kind of, you know, I understood that concept as well, but I always felt like if there's one player that consistently can do what Miles does 
that the most similar to Miles is Jalen yes. Smith. Able to shoot the three, probably the best rebounder on the team. And I thought he looked he's looked really good in every game he's played. There's maybe been like one game where I thought, eh, he didn't look that great tonight. You know, it might have been the Spurs game when he got in foul trouble or something like that. But even that game, we won by 41 points. So it's like you weren't really hurting that much. But yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like Jalen's had a really strong start to the season. You know, obviously didn't play in the Boston game, didn't play in the Milwaukee game. He was hurt. Uh, in the Philadelphia game, he had some nice moments. He had a really nice uh, awareness on the floor where he realized he was one foot in step of the uh, in front of the three point line, took a step back and knocked down a three to really cut into the Sixers' lead. So it's just like smart basketball IQ. I asked Jalen at practice actually what's gone in to his improved three point shooting. I asked him if there was something he worked on in the offseason to kind of improve it, and he said, "To be honest with you, I don't know." He said nothing. He said he hasn't changed nothing. So he kind of laughed about it when he said it, but then he also talked about how like last year he had a mindset of like, I have to make these shots instead of just shooting them. And so now he's just shooting them without thinking like I have to make it. He's like, if I miss it, you know, I'm just going to get myself ready and shoot the next one if it's open and take it. And we can talk about that too, because he's not really forcing a lot. It's just, he's, he's scoring in strides. He's been really good on the glass. I, I just feel like when you talk about a guy that stepped up and really proved his worth, this is a guy that was a third string center on the first night of preseason basketball action. He was getting minutes behind Isaiah Jackson at the five, but then they played him in that second game. I think it was against Houston where he was really able to go in there and take care of business uh, against that Houston team as the backup center. So that really did help. Oh, absolutely. Look, I told you, I felt bad not having Jalen Smith hired because I just think that he's been more than what we could have asked for this year. So great points. That leads me to number three on my list of someone who's been better then we expected that's Aaron Neesmith. Oh. Aaron Neesmith, in my opinion, I just think has now become someone that we count on to bring it on both sides of the ball. Neesmith, I feel like, changes the tone when he comes in there. It, it's just, I feel like he brings that that type of energy now where it's just like, all right, you, you know you're going to get someone who's going to be battling. But also, when that ball's going in, when, they, when he sees that three-point shot going in, it just feels like he, he feels like, all right, cool, hey, I, I can go out there and I can get 15 tonight or any, anything like that. And I feel that last, last year he was an X factor. And he, if he gave us 15 points, hey, it was great. The Pacers were good in those games. Now it's like, hey, we're kind of looking for him to be able to chip in somewhat near 15. And on the season, he's averaging over 12 points per game. So I just feel that he has earned every penny of that contract thus far, that extension. It looks like an awesome move by the front office getting ahead of it. But also this is someone that now feels like there is next steps to his game. Yeah, I have, I have Aaron Neesmith higher on my list, to be honest with you. Oh, oh, I've been okay. that impressed with what he's done this year. Okay. And that brings me to my number three, which I'm sure is your number two, Miles Turner. I think Miles Turner and Aaron Neesmith are like super close in terms of like ranking wise. And I debated this one for a while. Maybe I just have a little bit of a, a soft spot in my heart for Aaron Neesmith and the way he's really improved his game. But you're talking about a guy in Miles Turner who continues to just improve upon uh, his play as a, as a center in this league and, and fitting into the system. This year, I think he's only had one game where he's not been in double figures, and that was against the Celtics, and that was a weird game. He played 22 minutes. There was no Tyrese Halliburton. So every other game, he's been in double digits. The first game of the year against the Wizards was not a very good showing, but he scored 20 against the Cavs, um, 20 against the Bulls, 27 against the Cavs again. 14 and 15 against the Hornets and the Spurs. Then he had 22 versus Utah, 21 versus Milwaukee, 22 versus Philadelphia. So 
He's putting the ball in the basket and he's shooting the ball at a pretty good percentage, 53.8% from the field this year, 40% from three, 8.2 rebounds. Like he's been a very, very solid player for this Pacers team. And I think the most consistent number two option, but that's what he was last year. Like last year he had a really good year. So I feel like he's just kind of carried over from last year, maybe gotten better and some different like incremental things, but like in terms of like, making a massive jump from who he was. I don't necessarily feel like I've seen that from him yet, but he's been good. I think he's been really solid overall, and some of the Pacers really can rely upon. As good as Jalen Smith has been, you you need Miles Turner out there for the majority of games, especially games when you're trying to close big ones out with his three-point shooting, the way he's gotten better at attacking off the dribble, and just being more of a force inside the paint. And the rebounding, I think it's – gotten better this year he's had three or four games already with double digit rebounds so you love to see that but overall i'm just i'm I'm impressed with miles but like i said i'm a little more impressed with aaron neesmith so i'll let you touch on miles and then i'll get to aaron yeah i mean for for neesmith i think he's taken a bigger jump i think what turner did is answer the question of could he do it again could he do what he did last year again and thus far he has he's playing two minutes less per game which i no, it doesn't sound like a lot, but he's giving you the same scoring. He's averaging just about that 18 points per game that he gave you last year. The rebounding is up by, you know, a little more than half a rebound. Uh, the three-point percentage is up. The, the the field goal percentage has been basically the same. I think that Miles has answered the questions that last year was not a fluke in a contract year. I think he's holding himself to a higher standard. I think that he's taken on a bigger leadership role over the last year or two. And I think that we're seeing on the court, hey, this is this is the best Miles Turner that we've seen. And I think I don't think that we're going to see him, you know, chuck up some of those duds from time to time where it's like, oh man, Turner had, you know, eight points and and three rebounds tonight. I just feel like he's in a, a totally different space right now. So mm-hmm. Turner has been consistently, I feel, the number two guy on this Pacers team. And I know that a couple of guys have, have risen to the occasion, whether it's a Bruce Brown or a Benedict Matherin, or maybe it's an Aaron Neesmith or anything. I feel that Turner, the majority of the time, has been that second guy to Tyrese Halliburton this year. I love what I've seen, and I, I don't think that he's fallen off in, in any regards for the rest of the year. I think this is the Miles Turner that we're going to see. Some people might have thought he would take a step to, like, could he be a 20-10 and 10 guy? I don't know. Very few players can be. In this league, Turner being like an 18 and 8 guy with efficient three point shooting, great shot blocker. That's just what this Pacers team needs. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against that because, like, I I felt like this was pretty interchangeable for me at two or three, yeah. but there's a big reason why I'm giving Aaron e. Smith the nod, and it's just because he was put into this bench role, was told he was going to be the backup three and to work on playing more three, and then all of a sudden he gets put kind of back into the four spot, and then you've seen him close a lot of games at the four this year, specifically ones that have been tight. But I'm just looking at his numbers overall this season, Fachi. 24 minutes a game, not a ton, 11.7 points, nothing great about it. But listen to this, 53.8% from the field, 48.9% from three this year. The guy is a bucket from outside when he's shooting a three ball. It feels like almost every time he takes one, it feels like it's going in. He's hit a lot of timely threes as well. He's effective on the glass. He only has three and a half rebounds, but for his position, being undersized, he's been pretty active. Always guards, usually the best player on the perimeter. 
uh, when he's out there, specifically bigger forwards. I, I know that there's been times where he's gotten in foul trouble, specifically against Milwaukee, games like that. But other than that, I mean, I feel like he's been really good. And, like, even in that loss to Philadelphia, like, everybody was pretty much a plus or was a minus in that game. There were three players that weren't. TJ McConnell, Tyrese Halliburton, and Aaron Neesmith. You want to know why? Because Aaron Neesmith was out there with TJ McConnell when they made those big runs because he was doing the stuff that a lot of the other guys on this team just don't do. Like he just he just brings another level to when it comes to doing all the dirty work. And they've had nothing but great things to say about him. The coaching staff, the, the players on the roster, they love the style that he plays with. He's proving that he can be more than just a defensive guy. He's proving that he can be a two-way player that can put the ball in the hoop, but it is a limited role. I totally get that. He's not going out there and giving you 15 to 20 a game, but I, I still think that, hey, he's proven like we can't leave this guy open because he will hit threes, and if not, he'll put the ball on the floor and dunk on your head. So he's cool. had some really nice moments of uh, – his really nice burst of athleticism. So I, I feel like Aaron Neesmith to me in terms of like how much he's grown or how much he's shown based on what he was expected to show – Got to be number two. Hey, you know, you, you make a strong argument. I think that to the fact that it feels like an undisputed top three, at least, says a lot. Because yeah. who would have thought through 10 games, you said Aaron Neesmith's going to be your second or third most important or best player, you know, thus far? <laughs> you, you'd be like, wow. I mean, sign me up for that. Uh, what What is he? Should we, should we cut him a blank check? Well, you know, we already took care of that. Sign him. A million dollar man, as Miles Turner in- called him. Hey, it's it's been great to see. I'm so happy that the Pacers got ahead of that situation. But between Turner, Neesmith, the, the internal development, just what you hoped for. And that leads us into number one. It's Tyrese Halberton. This man has taken the step from all-star to, like, all-NBA now is absolutely a couple of days ago, they were saying, when are we starting to talk about Tyrese Halliburton, the MVP candidate? And I went, whoa, like we got one of those? And it's just awesome because down down the clutch, like when it matters most, he's been elite. But also, there's no one I would want running point guard more than Tyrese Halliburton in this league. I mean, we talked about just fresh off of a 17 assist to zero turnover performance. Mm. Say it again. again. 17 assists to zero turnover performance against the 76ers. Oh, yeah. I'm leaving out the fact that he scored 25 points in that game <laughs> in addition to it. So it's so just good. like it's it's the, he's doing it all. This isn't like John Stockton out there in the 90s where he might give you 15 assists and, and 15 points. It's like Halliburton's really breaking you off with, you know, 25 and 15 or 25 and 17 or, or, or 43 and, and 15 or whatever it may be. He's doing it all, and I just think that he's putting this Pacers team on his back. When it matters most, he's not shying away. And this he's this is a star rising in front of our eyes that I think is catching the attention of the overall NBA, and that's something that we have hoped for for quite some time, and we finally got it right now with Tyrese Halliburton. 23.8 points per game, 51.7% shooting from the field, 40.9% from three, 3.9 rebounds, 12.2 assists per game. He's just been incredible. I mean, he's averaging almost 24 and 12 for the season so far, and I think he's on this level that you you just can't you can't put anybody else on. He he is number one by a long shot. Number two and three are four or five steps down. Like he is 
head and shoulders above the rest of this Pacers roster in terms of where he's at talent-wise. And we'll talk about Mr. Clutch because it feels like every time this team needs a big basket, every time he is the one to step up, hit a little pull-up three, hit a step-back three, drive and get to the basket. He just He's been able to do a lot of it. Now, I will say he can be a lot better defensively. There is no doubt about it. And I think Quinn Buckner talked about it on Sunday. Like he was Chris, he was a mismatch. He got a, a cross matchup with Tobias Harris. And Tobias Harris took him down in the post. And Tyrese put up no fight. And it's like Quinn's like, okay, I know it's a mismatch, but you can give a better fight than that. And I agree with him. I think that there's a there's a level that he can reach to get better defensively where he just like digs in and you know even if you get a foul like Tyrese is not one that gets a lot of fouls anyway so maybe you take a foul on a mismatch like that or a cross match like that just to make sure that you don't allow someone to get an easy basket because we've seen how points can be impacted in the third quarter just like they can in the fourth so you know you just don't give up an easy two and say okay let's go back and get a three on the other and no you got to make sure you're playing your best defense so that's the only criticism I would really have of Tyrese is just being more of a um a solid defender, a great way to put it, but you can't complain about anything else because he has been through the roof, the best player on this team. And the only reason this Pacers team is six and four through 10 games with a pretty decent schedule of talent that they've had to face. Yeah. I mean, if he wasn't as clutch as he was, I mean, just a couple of years ago, you remember, I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago, but in Carlisle's, uh, you know, First run in his third stint, however you want to call it, the, the, the beginning where Sabonis and Chris Duarte and all those guys, we could not win those close games. Mm-hmm. Games that were decided by three points or less, the Pacers were horrific. And they couldn't close it out. They had no closer. Tyrese Halliburton is the closer. He's everything and more you could have ever asked for. Defensively, he's got ways to go. Absolutely. And if he ever does become like a real solid defender, he's going to be one of the most special players in the NBA because it already feels that he's heading in that direction without defense. Yeah. But when you talk through the numbers that you that you mentioned before, someone pointed it out on Twitter. There's never been a 50, 40, 90 guy that averaged over 20 points per game and over 10 assists. Mm. Tyrese Halliburton is doing something right now the NBA has never seen before. And last year, he did something the NBA never saw before. And that was that was a guy who averaged uh, you know, it was like I think it was 20 and 10. Uh, but also shoot 40% from three. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that was cool. But to be a 50, 40, 90 guy, then with those stats, I mean, it's it's just crazy of how many players have played in the NBA and to still be able to do something that no one's ever done throughout a season is, is just ridiculous. That's mm-hmm. when you know you're dealing with someone who is in the absolute elite of elite categories. That's what Tyrese Halliburton is, and I'm very happy he's on our squad instead of playing against him because that man, you talked about it against Philly, he was responsible for like 70 points. Wow, it's kind of crazy. that That's more than Tyrese Maxey was responsible for. Maxey dropped 50 in that game. So that says a lot. Yeah, I think Maxey did have like seven assists, so maybe they were was close. Five. Was it so, five? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So Think about that. Yeah. Tyrese had definitely was more responsible for points forced uh, in that game. So, hey, you know what? I'm not going to argue it. Who was better, Tyrese, in that game? Not the guy that got the career high? <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Whatever way we got to shift that conversation a little bit. I still want my Tyrese over there, Tyrese. Yeah, both Tyrese's are pretty great. You know, we talk about how 
Jalen Rose was kind of a, a name that he's Jalen has talked about how his name has become popular because he was one of the first ones ever be named Jalen. Then you see a lot of guys named Jalen after that. Well, I wonder if Tyrese is going to be the new name for the next generation. It's going to take a couple of years to find out. You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe Fauci, you know, maybe he, number two. Uh, I don't know if Tyrese, I'm going Tyrese. I don't know if I'm going Tyrese for for my son's name, but at the same point, you know, Michael we'll, Tyrese. We'll see. You know, maybe maybe you could do like a like a like a Tyler or something like you know, some of the ties in there. You know, so it's like something, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. We could do uh, a Michael Obadiah. Because Obi Toppin, your guy, yeah. Michael Obadiah. I, I might, I might skip that one, but I, I love me some Obi. I do, <laughs> but you know, I might, I might refrain a little bit and go in a different direction. But at the same point, you know, we'll see. Uh, hey, my middle name, it's Aaron. Aaron, Aaron Smith. That man's balling. So Michael Aaron Fachi the second. You never know. You never Are you gonna know. do that? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. Would you like to? No, I'm gonna give my kid the, their own path. You know. No one has to, you know, be your own person. It's not like LeBron who was like, you know, man, I, I just wish I didn't name my son LeBron. It's a big shout out. It's like, you did it to me. <laughs> he's he's got a problem. You're, you know, he's in your, you know, shadow now. It's going to be a little bit tough. So you can call him Bronny, whatever you want to do. It, it definitely uh, creates a little bit of a shadow. But, hey, to each their own, whatever you want to name your guys' kids, go for it. <laughs> I like how you're worried about making the people upset. I don't want to make anyone upset. Hey, if you, if you <laughs> named your kid a junior, there ain't nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. If it's a family tradition, if it's something you want to start with your family, do what you got to do. Nobody really cares because it's between you and your wife and your mm-hmm. significant other, whatever you want to name your child. So kudos to y'all. But with that being said, I mean, that kind of wraps it up here, obviously. Uh, we'll go down our list real quick. Fachi and me both had a number 10, TJ McConnell, number 9, Obi Toppin. Number eight, Buddy Heald. Number seven, Andrew Nimhard. And then at number six, we were a bit split here. I had Ben Mather and Fachi had Jalen Smith. But then we go into our top five. We both had Bruce Brown. And then our fours were switched with our six. So at number four, I had Jalen Smith and Fachi had Ben Mather. At number three, I had Miles Turner. Fachi had Aaron Neesmith. At number two, Fachi had Miles Turner. I had Aaron Neesmith. And then at number one, we both had Tyrese Halliburton. So we were pretty in lockstep here for the most part on this one. So that is interesting that we both are kind of saying things here in terms of how these guys have played, but we'd love to hear your top 10. Let us know if you guys agree with what we did here or not. But um, like I said, Fachi's not going to be here for the next two episodes. He'll be greatly missed, but it is his birthday week. We got a birthday song coming up here on the Thursday pod. So don't want to miss that. It is, like I said, Going off, I'm I'm using the jingle from a classic commercial that's very popular on TV right now. I'll just put it out that way, Fachi. So um, let you go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex... Tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast where you can find all of our post game podcast videos there. So obviously this one will not be on the YouTube feed, but you can check out our reaction to the 76ers Pacers first game. And you can check it out tomorrow when we have our recap to the in season tournament game. So um, like I said, follow us on social media where Fox told you to. And make sure you give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast. 
and subscribe to my blog, theblueandgolden.substack.com. Lots of stuff going on over there. You don't want to miss out. It is absolutely free. If you'd like to make any contribution, I do have a link in most of my stories to my cash app. No pressure, but if you'd like to support my work, there's a way you can do that. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're glad the Pacers are getting some time off here to get back and ready after this game against Philadelphia to play the Magic on the next Sunday, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.